0: hey guys and welcome to today's podcast uh today i'm here with a friend an old colleague of mine uh, named brendan tuck and uh brendan and i first met i'd say a a good eight or nine years ago now when uh i was working out of a facility in paran with pt academy and there was suspension training and uh came across Brendan uh, many, many years ago, and uh, he's got some fantastic experience when it comes to running a successful facility, uh, when it comes to training methods and uh, some of his uh, philosophies that have worked really well for him, and now he's also working in the space of, of helping to, to help facilities become successful, and I thought it'd be great to bring him on. To share some of his experiences philosophies and uh, potentially to help you if you're thinking about wanting to grow and and optimize your space and uh, look at some of your models and and how we can tweak them to be a little bit better so brendan mate thanks for jumping on the podcast today
1: thanks for having me nice good to catch up again
0: absolutely my pleasure so for those people who may be listening who haven't heard much about you Let's do a quick rundown of your background. As I said just before, uh, you know, you and I met when it came to suspension training and education. And but, but can you expand upon a bit of your background in regards to VO two vitality and and uh, some of the things that got you to where you are today?
1: Yep. Uh, so I was working uh, for a company called One Steel, uh, working as a site safety and training coordinator. And in 2010, I was made redundant and I always had my plan B. I was doing a bit of personal training in the background. I used to do karate, so I was using the dojo as a training space and also down at the local beach. Uh, so I thought, yeah, let's move into and do some personal training, give it a crack. And then uh, from there, uh, an old army mate, he introduced me to TRX. I thought, well, I need to do something different that no one else was doing. So 2010, no one really knew what TRX was and uh, I went and did my first TRX course, and then went to Filex and I saw Fraser Quelch, who you've interviewed in the past before on the podcast. Yep. That's yeah. Yep, and I said, how do I get on board on TRX? And Fraser says, just got to go do our education, just continue our journey. And when I was working at One Steel, I had a fantastic manager who mentored me, and she says, you just need to go align yourself those people you want to be around and where you want to succeed. So um, I had a, a trainer working for me, and he went and did a TRX course as well. And I drove up there. And one of the course instructors, she flew over from the United States. I said, hey, I'm Brendan Tuck. How do I get on board with TRX? She says, just keep doing your education journey. And anyway, I received an email three months later saying, hey, come down to Victoria. Do some instructor training. Do you want to do it? I said, for sure. I'm down there. So that's where my journey started with TRX and PTA.
0: Excellent. And that's you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you also uh, ran quite a successful group training company when it came to VO2 Vitality. So tell us a bit about that.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was in the, down the beach for coming up to my third year. I was like, I need to get indoors. Yep. I need to get my facility. So I met another local trainer and we said, let's go and open up a little PT small group training studio. And we formed our business together and opened up VO2 Vitality Fitness. Yep. So we focused on personal training and small group training. So before any time, around that time, any time fitness was starting to open, before any F45s had opened. So very challenging, very big, steep learning curve, but also very uh, rewarding at the same time.
0: Absolutely, and I think there's a lot of trainers and coaches out there with ambitions to open their own space and wanting to have a, you know, a place to call their own. So we'll delve into that a little bit later in terms of space and setup and, and how to optimize that. So um, you worked with One Steel. you started your training outdoors using the dojo, loved suspension training, that got you into um, VO2 vitality. And now you're working doing something a little bit different. So tell us about what you're doing now.
1: Uh, so I sold VO2 Vitality Fitness to a local uh, another trainer who was also working at the time, and I went out on my own. Just was just yeah had enough of uh, working for other people. Yep. And I was just working out of a CrossFit gym, running floor space. Just thinking to myself, I'm turning forty this year. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard personal training those early mornings, late nights, you know, you don't get to see your mates. You don't get to play team sports. I think, what can I do? What am I going to go to anyway? One of my flatmates, her name was uh, Abby Rose from uh, Camden. Yeah. And, um, when I had VO two, she introduced me to one of her clients. His name was Adam Lewitt and at that time he had a his fitness equipment company called summit fitness equipment. Anyway, uh, Adam, I get a phone call from Adam one day in early 2017. He goes, Tucky, we're taking on TRX. I want you to come work for me. And I'm going, wow, this, this is what I've been looking for. This is the change. So, uh, yeah, um, they signed me up. So now I'm working as the New South Wales uh, sales representative for Novafit, which is yeah. a multi-million dollar fitness equipment company selling best-in-class product, Which yeah. is why I could, which is why I could go there.
0: Yeah.
1: I didn't yeah. want to be someone trying to put my name against equipment that I don't believe in, that doesn't have a good quality manufacturer and doesn't serve a fantastic purpose.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's a bit about your background and some of your experiences. So you know what it's like running the facility, you know some of the challenges, and now you're into the you, you've moved into the space where you can help people to set up a system that works for them and also the space they have. And quite often it's a, it can be an uncertain transition if you don't have experience or know people in the game to go in and find a space that's right for you. So people have had spaces under 200 square metres, uh, you know, the big box gyms, I don't know how big they are. What's the average big box gym in terms of space, Brennan?
1: Those things are, oh man, they can go from any size. Well, I'm now looking at any type of fitnesses. Yeah. anywhere from about 250 to 300, and I've just put some equipment in one in Fairfield. Uh, Fairfield Yeah out to 1,000 square metres.
0: So 1,000 right. square metres.
1: That's in an any time now. That's how they're getting now to a, a size of a health, massive health club.
0: Wow. So obviously, you know, when we think about uh, moving into a space and you think about, like I remember when I was contemplating doing this many years ago, opening my own facility and I thought to myself, it's going to be an expensive exercise. I've got to get myself a leg press. I've got to get myself a you know, leg extension and a pec deck. And you think about every conceivable piece of equipment that someone could use and uh, it becomes quite an expensive exercise. But now as the industry is becoming more aware of, of functional movement and uh, having more open space for, for drills and activities – what we find is it's not as expensive to deck out a place as you think because not everyone's of that traditional mindset. that They just want to go in there and do traditional bodybuilding training. And that's essentially what some of the the studios do now. Like CrossFit, for example, they refer to their studios as a box because it's like a big square space, like a, a warehouse and they keep it quite open. They put their racks along the side, their barbells on the wall, the kettlebells along the side. And they don't have a heap of treadmills. They don't have a heap of stationary cardio, but they're still very successful, right?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yep, that nice big open open floor plan.
0: Yeah, so the open floor, floor plans provide the opportunity for you to uh, cater to more people training at once and to create a bit more uh, interaction between members. So let's chat a bit about, uh, you know, in your experience, some of the the ways that facilities are starting to be set up now to meet the, the industry demand of, you know, more functional tools, as you mentioned, TRX and obviously um, in the fitness industry, Vipe is very popular and there's a number of different uh, ways in which people can set up. So can you chat a little bit about, um, you know, the way gyms used to be set up and some of the changes that are happening now?
1: Uh, so I've just been at a recent facility where they still have that old style design. It is a health club where you just have rows and rows of treadmills and Uh Then you've got your strength, strength area. We've got your pin-loaded, plate-loaded equipment. You've got all your dumbbell racks, which we're, we're now starting to look at placing a gym into zones. So, you know, you might come in and you have an area where you have your mobility rollout warm-up area. And you might move on to an next area where you've got all your strength equipment, where you've got your, um, some racking. You know, you, there'll be something loaded, plate like load equipment for those different demographics at their um, movement capacity stage. And then you'd have a conditioning area where you've got all those uh, pieces of equipment that are low-skilled use, but you can perform at high-intensity interval training without having to think too much about your body position. And then, obviously, a recovery area. So think of um, someone where I first saw this was uh, Mike Boyle over in uh, Boston at his facility. That's how he runs his.
0: Okay, so there's a number of different zones, and depending on the style of training that you you have, will predetermine what goes into some of these areas. So, um, for example, in the conditioning area, that's where a lot of people might have you know a lot of pin-loaded machines and. Uh, the, the weight racks and that sort of thing, and then you've got your cardio area as well. So if someone wanted to, let's sort of scope it out for a second. If someone wanted to move into their own space and start off minimising some cost, but still being able to provide, you know, good quality service, a lot of functional movement, a bit of strength, what sort of, what would be the initial process that uh, you'd advise them to go through?
1: Uh, so for some low costs um, set up, Uh, I'd be looking at getting just some, well, for your prep, I'd be getting some mini bands, some strength bands, grab a couple of foam rollers, definitely for that myofascial release. Then you would be looking at getting uh, some handheld weight. So some new product that we've just taken on is called um, Ausfit Torsion Bars. Amazing piece of equipment, uh, which is basically a steel bar, approximately just under a metre in length. And it's just a mobile uh, barbell. Yeah, You don't have to have weight plates to stick on each end and then collars. You just pick up the bar off the rack. Okay. Um, you'd grab a few TRXs as well for your body weight training. Um, obviously a couple of kettlebells. Kettlebells are such a versatile training tool that can be used for so many things. Some slam balls, some med balls, some conditioning ropes. Uh I'd also you still need to have barbells in there in the facility and plates. Yep. And you know, for your conditioning, you know, a couple uh Concept two rowers, some ski ergs, some airdyne bikes. And I've, nothing's ever put me in the hole uh, like an airdyne.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the so, good thing about those cardio bits of equipment you just mentioned, like the bikes and the, the ergos, you can move them as well, can't you? So you can shift them in and open up space when you need to and move them back in again.
1: Yeah, very, very small footprint, like your Concept yeah. two, it stores upright. Yeah. Ski erg, it's such a small footprint. Yeah, airdines have got wheels in the front, you can roll those, put them out to the side so you can make that training space multi-use.
0: Yeah, yeah. So obviously when we've got the different zones we're working with and we might start off a bit low cost and then as the member numbers climb, you might want to improve or introduce some new bits of equipment and, uh, and improve that member experience via offering you know, different tools. What about when it comes to finding a system that works really well? Say you've got all that equipment there and there's a lot of different styles of training out there and what would be your advice to some people who are like, you know, how do I want to differentiate myself or how am I going to utilize all these different bits of equipment and have a nice flow when it comes to my training?
1: I'd be... Just, just go back to the side of the question again. I'm just, I've got a thousand thoughts running through my
0: head. Okay. So let's say that we've set ourselves up and we're still quite new in the industry. Like we know how to use a kettlebell. We know how to use a TRX and you know, some of those, um, small footprint footprint, bits of cardio, but then we're like, you know, I've got all these different tools and I want to have a bit of a system to make sure that I, I make sure the flow when someone does a workout and, uh, you know, when I'm running groups is really effective, but let's say someone listening to this isn't used to um, these systems or isn't used to how to set themselves up and create a good group environment, just sort of in a loose or um, simple way, what would be some advice on how to sort of set up your facility in terms of classes that you run and, and making the most of the space to optimize experience?
1: Oh, there's quite a. Oh, I couldn't use a couple of different models that people are running. Uh, so you, you've got, okay, let's say you've got your forty-five model. That's right. just that straight in, straight out. People, there's people waiting for the next class to start. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got some other models like called core, core Nine or Twelve Round Fitness, where there's actually no set classes. Okay. There's a, a timer running, and you can turn up at any time, and you go through that workout, and there'll be A a personal trainer there on site to make sure you're training well and you know looking at your technique and form. Um, And then you've got the other ones where you've got your set times and um, like I know uh, Anytime Fitness ran that Raw 30 program. What's the Raw 30? I haven't heard of that one. I think it's getting phased out right now. It wasn't sort of got took off for a little bit, but then it didn't take off that well. Yeah, Uh, it was just their 30 minute small group training.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. I've never experienced a workout there. Yeah. But um, then you're sort of looking at other facilities such as um, there's a facility called uh, from run by Vincent Wong and Bruce Bridget called uh, Ion, which are located in Pitt Street in the city. They run uh, this is a facility based around Exos, which is pretty big in the US. So that's more of your strength and conditioning facility. Okay. Uh, so there's one of them in Sydney now. Yes, it's not EXOS branded, but they run EXOS training methodology.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, so for those who aren't familiar with what EXOS is, EXOS used to be called Athletes Performance, and some of our guests, for example, Roy Sugarman, Nick Winkleman, and Brett Bartholomew have all sort of gone through those systems under Mark Verstegen, and uh, they produce some of the top performing athletes that go into the draft, and the systems are very, very solid. So you know, that's what sparked my, my interest there. So it's called ION, is it? Yeah, it's correct. ION. That's correct. Okay, cool. So what you've said so far is the F45 model, a 12 round model, you know, there's 30 minute models, um, the ION models. So there's lots of different ways to do it. And then obviously those who are familiar with CrossFit there's workouts of the day that people will come in and you'll be timed to see how long it takes you to get through that volume. So there's lots of different ways to do it. So, Based on your experience, uh, Brendan, what would you say is one that's quite easy to manage for a for a new sort of facility owner? Uh, one way to easy manage. I know it's these are quite loaded questions. There's yeah, a lot yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, there's so much. Uh, from my experience, I'd use the system called a uh, Mind Body. And I'd have my online booking portal. I know there's plenty of other portals out there that are available for people to use um, that are free. Whereas my body had, you know, hundred dollars a month. Uh, So obviously you have that um, how many numbers are available in a session for people to attend. And you'd get your clients to book in. Hey, we've got this style of class running. Um, I used to run a system called Lena Faster Stronger. So one of my classes would be tagged a Lena class. Another class would be stronger, another would be faster, and then I'd have my signature and a mobility slash correctives class. Okay. So then that way clients would say, hey, if I want to get lean I'll go to this class. But um, I'd look at it more as a um, a programming background. Hey, we need to do some strength and conditioning work. We need to, you know, do some running. And obviously everyone needs to, not everyone, but you know, people need to work on either mobility or stability, and we'll just factor that in for our whole training week. Yeah, yeah. people booking through one body.
0: Yeah, okay. So, obviously there's lots of, it's becoming quite a competitive space, you know, the health and fitness game, isn't it, when it comes to, opening facilities and there seems to be like, around our local area, we live in Somerville on the Mornington Peninsula and there used to be a um, street, Simcox Street, which was all like mechanics and warehouses and I think there's 14 uh, facilities, training facilities on that street now that range from F45 to Pilates to uh, strength and conditioning and sport and boxing. And it it seems like it's quite a competitive space. So what's your thoughts on, you know, the the fact that there's so much demand now and there's so many different models coming through? So from the last census,
1: 18% of the population was exercising. Okay. There there is such an untapped market uh, percentage of the population that are currently not exercising. We're looking at a big shift, uh, a lot of funding from the government for aged care, people 65-plus, people with Parkinson's, people with dementia. So there's a massive gap in the market there, training space for people that could move into. Um, Something that Adam says, uh, out at Weverell Park, you've got uh, UFC, you've got Firmwood, a couple of other facilities right in the same area. A lot of people think, hey, Jim's gym's opening next door, that's bad for me. But think of it this way, sometimes you might go out to go and grab your dinner. You go down the road, you go to um, a local area and you've got KFC, you've got a steakhouse, you've got Subway. People know if they want to go for food, they go to that area. So mm. you've got all these fitness facilities in the one area, it's not a bad thing, it can be a good thing. Because it's up to the consumer to decide, hey, do I want to go do yoga? Do I want to go do like an F45, that high-intensity? Am I wanting to do something else? So they've got that choice, and I know there's that fitness in that area.
0: Yeah, that's a great example. That's a great example. So rather than thinking, oh, we're doomed, there's competition here now, it's going to drive more traffic to that area just like it would with food. That's a great analogy. And uh, 18% of the population currently exercising, I I hadn't heard that stat, that's good to know. And uh, the fact that elderly... And you know, some of those older age populations are areas that obviously are getting some funding and some awareness now. Uh, so in terms, we've spoken a bit about systems and, and equipment. So when it comes to um, set up costs, obviously depending where you set up shop, if you're in a, a busy uh, area near the city, it's gonna cost potentially more for the real estate. But if we put the real estate off to the side and we think about um the equipment you'd need for for example 150 squares getting a bit um bigger to the 250 300 squares can we chat a little bit about you know some of the basic setup costs and uh prices to to get moving and get going because i remember talking to dom those remedios who you know quite well brennan and um Dom used the analogy that often when people set up a facility, they underestimate some of the setup costs to get things going when you take into account mm-hmm. marketing and, you know, the systems that body, as body mentioned and uh, he used the ratio of, you know, one and a half. So if you think it's going to cost hundred dollars, put aside $250 uh, to, to have your bases covered. Now, obviously this is a good 10 years ago and times have changed. But I think it'd be valuable just to hear some of those, those setup costs and and get a bit of an idea.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so setup costs. Um, we can go. So we can go from legal costs. We can go to accounting costs for your accountant to set all that up. Yeah. Your outgoings of your rent and electricity, your insurances. So your building insurance, equipment, public indemnity insurance. Uh, preventative maintenance as well for your equipment. What's,
0: what's preventative maintenance?
1: So if you have treadmills, equipment, cables, think of uh, servicing your car every six yep. months. You do an oil change. Yeah. When you're forking out good money for equipment, you don't want to break and down. You prefer to prevent it from breaking down. So yep. at Nova Fit, we'll have a service tech come out and then. He would um, have that equipment recorded on his list and he would go and service it and make sure it's not gonna break down.
0: Yeah, okay, so legal, insurance, rent costs, power costs, servicing costs. Uh, also, with going back to subscriptions, yeah, you'd have
1: uh, your payment systems. Uh, I also use the system myself, which is called Team Builder. So then, my clients would have their own uh, their own programs available if they wanted to train outside of class hours. Yep. Yeah. Um, cleaning as well. Man, I hated cleaning.
0: Yeah.
1: That was the worst thing I wanted to do. So you know, I'd employ like a junior to come in and do the cleaning for me.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, keep getting pocket money after school. Yeah. Um, your marketing budget is your something very important, something big. That's a rabbit hole. That's up a whole podcast marketing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Your website, your server, your email. Uh, you might have stuff like Dropbox. So all your staff can have access to the same documents. Yep. Your branding, uniforms, uh, membership packages. You might give your clients towel, water bottles, T-shirt, caps with all your branding on it which comes yeah. back down to your marketing budget. Um, and then obviously equipment. Yeah. So we've just taken on uh, flooring through a company in the US called Eco Athletic. Uh, flooring, I just hit a quote at a yoga studio over in uh, Cabramatta. It's about 35000 on equipment and
0: $25,500 just on flooring. Good quality flooring. is expensive. So thirty-five thousand equipment for a yoga studio. Oh, sorry, had a PT
1: element to it as PT. well. Yeah, yeah. It was our three rooms. One room was a yoga room, hot yoga room, and then a small group PT area.
0: Okay. So, what's that? Get my calculator out. So sixty grand for the flooring and equipment. And how big roughly was that? That studio, the yoga uh, plus small PT.
1: Oh, I was about eighty square meters in the hot yoga room. Probably about it was maybe ninety in the other yoga room. Yeah, and then about 120, 140, just yeah for the small group training area.
0: Okay, so about two hundred and ten to to two thirty or something like that overall.
1: Yes, upstairs okay. above
0: a above a shop. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So for, um, let's say, 220, it was 35 for some of the equipment, 25 for flooring. And what type of flooring do you mean when you say flooring,
1: uh, They We put like an 8 millimetre roll flooring down in the gym area. Yep. Uh, she also put some AstroTurf in as well. Yep. It was about 10 metres by 2 metres wide, and it was around about 2,500 yep. installed. And then, um, yeah, just flooring in the yoga room, some, like, planks, some soft vinyl planks.
0: Yep. The vinyl planks, the flooring, like the, the AstroTurf's becoming really popular now, isn't it? Like it was unheard of 10 years ago, but then people started looking at um, having those little strips for doing your sled pushes and, you know, having a sprint track feel about it, but it's starting to become a lot more commonplace, isn't it?
1: Uh, Definitely. Yeah. It's can be used as two, two different ways. You can obviously for a sled track, um, warm-up drills, uh, set up cones for your speed and agility work inside a gym. Yep. Also, it can be used as a, like a bit of a, a divider between different sections in your layout. So you might have your functional space there where it's all open and then that will divide it between your pin load, plate-loaded equipment.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, so it's more, it's, it can be used for different reasons in terms of, you know, aesthetically appealing to look at and functional and dividing areas so it's there's lots of different benefits there so from um, again from the work you've done and the people you've worked with where do you think a lot of people go wrong when they first want to open their own space what are the most common problems i know you've spoken about you know the the different costs and often people don't even think about insurances and servicing and the system maintenance but what are some common mistakes people make a when it comes to setting up a space and Uh, obviously you said like you and I both know having been in this game a long time that hours can be a struggle and you know I can say that sometimes people think I'll open a space and and that'll mean that I won't have to be there I'll just put other people in which isn't always the case right but can you chat a bit about um, some of the things people should be aware of before they open up just from your own experience of running you know VO2 and, and what you've seen
1: so a lot of people will say, oh, first off, I'll say, who's your target audience? Who do you want to attract to your facility? And people always give me the answer. Oh, everyone. We just want everyone to come. Yeah. How do you market everyone? Yeah. You, you need to everyone? You need to identify their demographic that you're trying to target and that they will enable you to create an avatar, then who you market towards. Uh, also, I was talking to my flatmate Dan the other day, and we were just going, Oh, your SWOT analysis. So, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So, you need to identify what your strengths are. What are you good at? What are people going to come and train with you for? Like, you, you know, are you a powerlifter? Do people want to come and do powerlifting? Um, if that's all you offer, that's a very small percentage of the market. So, you mm. need to consider, like, hey, are there a lot of people out there that want to do powerlifting? You maybe you need to broaden it. So maybe you've got some weaknesses and you need to you know, build on those weaknesses and develop your, your training knowledge and skills. So you might go out and, hey, maybe go do a boxing course or do maybe an FMS course. Um, then, you maybe, then you need to look at the opportunities. So is there gaps in the market? You know, can you see something that's being poorly run? Can you do something that's better than that? Uh, and then you need to look at your threats as well as the other competition
0: doing it, like who am I competing against? So that's where that spot analysis is very powerful. Absolutely. And not just doing it to say you've done it, but actually putting a bit of time and energy into it and doing the research yeah. and doing the homework. Okay. Exactly right. All right. Excellent. Now, in terms of uh, memberships, like a lot of these these studios and clubs aren't just... Personal training, are they? It's not like people just come in there for a PT session. Quite often there's um, memberships where people can come in do classes like you said, you had leaner, faster, stronger, and uh, obviously people can go around and jump into classes that they think they need or what's available. But in terms of how many members you can take on for the space you have, or the sort of targets you should be aiming for. What sort of advice or insights can you share on that?
1: Uh, so with the training space, uh, I, I took away a lot of experience from my training with TRX, running small group training. Yeah, I'd like to partner people up in pairs, so you always have uh, one person partner A, one person partner B, and partner B would be you know doing the work set for maybe a certain amount of reps or time. And partner B would be like an active coach. So they'd be on the side. Uh, if they've got a, you know, a little bit of experience, they go, oh, you're, you're rounding your shoulders, you know, just, just open up your chest a little bit, um, give some encouragement as well. And then once they're finished, they switch over and jump in. So you can utilise one piece of equipment for two people at the same time and also builds up a bit of camaraderie as well. Um, I know Vincent down at Ion, he loves having four pieces of equipment of each item. It's got like four airlines, four ski and it just works well in a small group training environment, maximizing um, most amount of numbers for that training space.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. It's like rather than having everyone do a working set and then everyone rest at the same time, you can structure it so while someone's in their rest period, they can coach and build that camaraderie and then they swap around to better use the space and equipment. I remember. When I first started running boot camps similar to yourself out in the park, I thought, right, well, how many people am I going to have in this boot camp? And I ended up buying, I think, 24 med balls to get me started and 24 of this, 24 of that. And it was a very expensive exercise 24 sandbags. We actually went down to Frankston Steel and got galvanized steel bars similar to the torsion bars, but um, some I think were 60 and some 75 just to have different um, sizes. And the amount of money we spent was quite horrendous like when we were first starting out because I didn't have the knowledge to, to think about partnering and you know, using body weight. I thought, oh, you know, people aren't gonna take me seriously unless I've got absolutely everything you can imagine. So it's important to have that, in, that info down pat and, and that model down before you go making decisions, right? Exactly right, yeah. Yeah, you
1: just need to yeah, have a look at your training space, you need to work out your structure and how everything's gonna be run and just maximise numbers of getting in there to, yeah, just nice, efficient environment. You don't want people on top of each other the whole time. Just partner A and partner B working, but sometimes rest is very important. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you might go to certain places and, they're going, you know, you've got a 15-second rest straight into another 60-second work set. It's like, yeah. man, I need to let my batteries recharge. I need some rest yeah. before I can work hard again.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm talking. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, one thing I'd love to sort of move into now is some of your training philosophies and, and sort of the way you look at exercise and movement. So you've got the, the karate background. And, uh, as we said before we went live, you know, you love surfing and being outdoors and, you know, what's your philosophy on, on training and, and, uh, you know, being efficient and giving variety like what are some of your thoughts personally when it comes to effective coaching to to improve performance
1: i think as oh, i'm turning 42 this year yeah. as we get older uh, your mindset does change on your on your training when, like you know yourself when we we're younger we just want to go to the gym and get big didn't really think about anything else we just yeah. want to look, you know, have that beach body i guess whereas uh now or You know, if I went back to that time, just train for life. Train so when I'm 80, I can still run, I can still surf, I can still do everything I'm doing now. I can move well and I can move often, move pain-free. One of my clients, she's 75, and the other day she did nine full push-ups. A 75-year-old lady.
0: Nine full push-ups. That's incredible. Wow.
1: I'll film it and I'll send it to you next week.
0: Absolutely, that's fantastic.
1: So she's trained her whole life. Yep. She's been active. She's actually a sprinter. She still competes uh, wow. internationally.
0: World masters, yeah, That's great.
1: Yeah. And um, when we go surfing, when we're going on our trips away. We're out there talking to old guys who have been out the surf. And um, you talk to them and all they want to do is just be able to get in the water. They just want to be able to surf. They're not worried on what they look like or... They, they just want to move well. They just want to say, what do I need to do to stay active and stay in the surf? So that's, you know, I'm on holidays up Byron Bay and Crescent Head. So, you know, they're telling me we're going to little places where they're doing some Pilates. They're seeing uh, like a movement therapist. They're going to a local gym. So it's just, you know, we only get one body, you know, don't, don't smash it wear at your joints that are supposed to last yeah. 120 years. And they last, you know, 20, 30 years. So, I just, I just love getting outdoors, being in nature, being, using my body for what it's
0: designed for. Yeah. So, about longevity and, and lifestyle and being, being able to be functional for longer. And I think that analogy of the 79-year-old client you have is fantastic. Like I'd love to, to be able to move that well. And, you know, I think personally I need to rethink some of the ways I train because I seem to beat myself up a bit too much and pay the price for it. So, you know, I'm still learning that lesson myself. So obviously working now with Novo Fit, like you've shared some great information around uh, facilities set up the zones and giving ideas on pricing and that sort of thing. But um, let's say that there's some people listening to this podcast who go, right, well, I want to start exploring. I want to start having a few conversations around what it's going to look like. I've got my, my goal of 12 months or 24 months to, to get started and get set up, and uh, they want to have a chat with you or they want to sort of flesh things out a little bit further and start the planning process. Um, can you let the guys know how they can get in contact with you and uh, start that process?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, they can contact me either by phone or email. Uh, do you want my number now or do you Yep. So my mobile, so I look after New South Wales. We have different sales reps in each state, so but I can also forward them on. Yeah. my mobile is uh, 0414 316131. And my email is btuck at nervofit.com.au. So obviously if someone wants to reach out and contact me, I'll, I I love catching up with people in person. So you can, you know, put that face to the name and get that personal touch, build that rapport and relationship. Uh, and also get to have a coffee. And that's when I sort of start chatting a lot. And also that's a chance for me to have a, a needs analysis so they can tell me what they're looking for. Um, from there, I can uh, start... Um, we can create what we use a software called EC design, where we can do some 3D uh, floor plans, help them out and where their equipment fit, work out that flow we're talking about, um, and then obviously give some, um, some quotes as well on pricing on equipment. But um, I'll use an example, I was with a client the other week doing a quote, and opening up in a second training space, and he goes, oh, these guys came in, they said we need to buy all this equipment. I said to him, "No, just just put this rack in over here and put this over here." He goes, "Wow, you, you've you've actually said to me um, to putting less equipment." I said, "Yeah, well, that's what your training spaces want based off your needs analysis. So I'm not here to sell you stuff that you don't need." Mm. So um, I feel that background of you know having my own gym, being a strength coach myself, really sort of helps that needs assessment.
0: Absolutely, and I think even if you're not ready now having a conversation and kind of getting a bit more meat on the bones as to what's involved and, and to help with the planning process is so uh, fundamental and so important because then it helps you to go, right, well, what are my timeframes and uh, what are the steps to get me there? So I absolutely recommend reaching out to, to Brendan. I'll put those details with the email and the contact details in the show notes. And uh, for those of you who want to sort of test the waters and have that conversation. So, anything else you want to sort of share, um, Bren, before, before we wrap up, mate?
1: Oh, man, I could talk all day in yeah. that kind of scheme of things. Um, no, just, just training. Like, I've really enjoyed training over the years, like looking after my body. Uh, there was a guy who got out of the surf yesterday, I, was, I just got back from Crescent Head, like four days of surfing up there, Yep. and my flatmate, he's a physio, and the guy was my age, he was 42, and yeah, my flatmate said, man, like, you've looked after yourself, you do not look like a 42-year-old, you do not move like a 42-year-old, it's all, it's all that mindset, we always hear people saying, oh, I'm getting old, I can't do this anymore that's the wrong attitude. You you just, your body's getting a little bit older. I mean, you got to keep that mindset, keep young, don't even think about age, just keep doing what you're doing, stay active. So Noreen, my client, 76 year old, she's an example of that. Awesome example.
0: Yeah. It's great advice. So just thinking about, you know, the way you perceive it, if you see uh, getting old as a limiting factor, then obviously it's going to start manifesting, isn't it? It's going to start, uh, resulting in you pulling out or, or avoiding certain things. Whereas, you know, when you hear stories about, what was it, Noreen? Yes. Noreen, yeah, it's inspiring. And that's exactly, uh, you know, what we want to promote. And I think it was Sugar Ray Leonard's in his 60s, 70s now and still training like a machine. And, and it's great to see that, you know, when you look after yourself and you stay consistent and you give the body what it needs, that, you know, it gives back to you, right? That's it. Well, Brennan, thanks for your time today, mate. As I said, I'll put the the details and contact info in the show notes. It's been great catching up, mate, and thanks for sharing some of your wisdom.
1: Sweet. Thanks, Nate. Talk to you
0: soon. Okay. See you, mate.